The connection between health and your capacity to lead isn't that hard to see, but it's often neglected. Find out how you can make some simple tweaks to take charge of your health with today's guest. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Julian Hazett's journey and dream began in the pursuit of becoming a doctor. However, after a year of medical school and some chance encounters, he left to pursue an even bigger dream. This dream is a world where living an active, fulfilling life of adventure is the norm, and where chasing success at the expense of your health isn't. As an author, executive health and performance advisor, and the founder of Executive Health, he is on a mission to help forward-thinking executives, investors, leaders, and entrepreneurs achieve sustained peak performance and maximize longevity. He's a host of Executive Health and Life and a published author with 300 plus articles featured in top publications like Inc., Success, and Entrepreneur. And we are going to dive into some of his thoughts today. Julian, welcome to Unbound. Man, Chris, that is such an awesome introduction. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. That is not the normal can. You're just reading off the lines, but you, you put a little story and excitement into it. So um, thank you for that. And so um, thank you for having me here. And I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's exciting stuff. And I am very excited to have you on the show uh, because we got, I mean, just talking in the pre-interview, there were so many different directions we could go with this episode and mm -hmm. I am, just, I'm ready. We're going to, we're going to go in all, most of those directions today. <laughs> so uh, let's start by just hearing, hearing your origin story. Yeah. Um, how far do you want to go back? Do you want to go back to teenager or do you want to start in college? Which, know, like, how far do you want to go? As, as far as uh, you can safely go, uh, probably not newborn, wherever you want to okay. go after that. <laughs> All right. You know, um, you know, it's later in the day. So I've had my, my obligatory one cup of coffee and then I've had a couple of cups of black tea. So, uh, <laughs> and then I got done running already. So I'm a little amped up and juiced up. So right. anyway, um, started a teenager. There's a couple inflection points in my life that got me to this point. Number one was the first one, you know, as a teenager playing basketball, initially when I think about health, I thought around 30 years old is when you start to actually go downhill. And because that was my current paradigm, that's all I saw around me was mm -hmm. people started to fall ill around that time. My father was a little sick, my grandparents and everyone around me. And so we're playing basketball one day. There's this older gentleman that is running the courts with us. He's pretty good as well. And it's fascinating because it's a paradigm shattering right there that this older guy is seemingly keeping up with this young sprout 16, 17 year olds. Mm -hmm. So I had to talk to this guy afterward and um and here, what's his secret? Was he a mutant? Was he an alien, X-Men? What what was he? And so he he gave me some very basic advice. You know, as a 16 year old, you're like, oh, okay, whatever, that's basic talk. But what he did was he started to plant the seed in my head, first and foremost, that my destiny lies in my hand. You know, and that's something where I didn't think beforehand. I, I thought that my fate was sealed. My genes were my destiny. And that wasn't the case as that man demonstrated right there. So that's the first seed. So I move on to college. I get very interested in health, but I initially started off in marketing. Wanted to be an advertising guy. I wanted to work at a cool office, uh, high rise, giving ideas and going to cool parties at night. But that's not really what it was. They told me I had to start off with account sales and um I was not going to be a salesman, right? So mm -hmm. the next best thing was to logically become a doctor. So 
the house was a popular show then. That's a very cool show. I like health and school is pretty easy for me. So let's just take some tests and get get admitted. So I got in. I wrote a pretty good essay because my grades weren't the best, but I wrote a good essay. And um, so now I'm in New York City and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Two totally different worlds. And I was not a city slicker by any means. Now I'm a little more refined. I think I'm more of a hybrid now, but I still definitely got the, the Southern in me. And when you're in New York, everyone has a dream of writing the next great screenplay or building the next unicorn. Everyone has a dream. And in New York, to think bold, to think differently, doesn't mean that you're crazy. You're just another person. And growing up in the environment I grew up in, that wasn't the case. It was fairly blue collar. Um, and there's a one way of life. You know, going to medical school was the pinnacle. It's a proven path. It's a title. You get a white jacket. You get your name on here. And then you get this prestige. And uh, so I was the golden child up until that point. And halfway through the semester, I'm going out a lot. I'm enjoying life a little bit, probably a little too much. And I meet this lady, pretty cute. but um, I forgot all about that because I was really infatuated with the story she's telling me that she's basically combining her passions with the job she's doing and doing it all on her terms. And that idea stuck in my head so much that I was in the middle of a test and I just started daydreaming about it. And I was like, oh my God, this is not it for me. I knew health was going to be my like core of what I was going to do, but it wasn't going to be a surgeon. And so I went back home. And I told everyone I'm excited. I had a good, I had a good year, but I'm not going back. I think I'm done with it. And I found, I think I found what I really want to do. And I expected everyone to shower me with praise and like, yes, I'm excited. Let's do this together, right? And all I got was confused looks and asking me to go take a drug test. And <laughs> did I get brainwashed in New York? What happened to you? And so that's there's a lot of lessons in that. And you know, I carried forward, but still confused by that. And so I went to work at a gym and then a call center because I just needed some income. And so I went from one year being a golden child in medical school to now just getting paid minimum wage, doing political surveys and working at a gym. And during that process, I started to, I always continue to read like I was in school. So I found this thing of genetics and epigenetics, and then I, I get into other things in terms of uh, health and wellness and, and more um, forward-thinking, precise models of that. And I reach out to these people. I've never had a problem reaching out to people. And so I'm, I'm learning from them. And then I'm adding these things to myself first and foremost. Then I get involved in writing. I go pitch my local newspaper. I just walk in there. And... That leads to writing for different publications and everything after I pitched them. And, and then the coaching aspect is just kind of something that, that took form on its own, where you start off personal training, you evolve from that, and then you continually evolve. I talk to people, I listen to people, and I think of this dream service that's still continually being evolved, where I, I you know, people, it's a one stop shop now that um, includes. Um, a medical aspect, um, genetics testing, a whole host of very other technologically precise modalities to really truly be in of one for the individual for total human optimization. But the um, the big thing of that is is really just staying curious, and I think that's been my my silver lining throughout the whole process. And I think that's something that I, I know you know leadership is a big thing here. 
And I think curiosity has kind of been my driving force. Awesome. Man, you went through a, an actual adventure to get where you are. Um, <laughs> so let's jump in. Performance optimization. I think mm-hmm. it's probably good to start with the basics. A lot of founders uh, will, will often get sucked into their business mm-hmm. so much that they neglect doing right. the, the standard, like the big three, right? Eat, sleep, move. Um, so I think, why don't we start there and just yeah. talk through some, some advice like sleep. Probably a great place to start. Yeah. And I, I think even before that, I think even before yeah. looking into the tactics, I think one of the good things to look at here is to understand why this happens. It's such a commonplace. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because it's inadvertent. A lot of times it's it's with these types of individuals, it's not negligent. You, m- Most people of this caliber know that they should take care of themselves. They should sleep more. They should mm-hmm. um, eat eat. Um, healthy foods, move their body. They know these things, but why does it not happen? That's the thing that always fascinates me. And a lot of this comes down to, you can call these some of the paradoxes of success, the unintentional side effects of success. These are sides of success that you don't see. These things hide in the dark. We only see things in the light. So as you're becoming more of a leader, you're getting more responsibility, you you have this obligation to people. You're not just, say you have a team of 10 people. It's not just those 10 individuals. Those individuals may have family. So maybe it's a family of three. That's multiplied to 30 people now. There's 30 people who depend on you to be at your best. That's a lot of pressure right there. Mm-hmm. It's a gift, it's a blessing, but it's pressure. So now you have these extra responsibilities, these extra expectations. You still have people in your personal life that you deal with. So you're being pulled in all these directions. And the thing that unintentionally gets left out then is your personal well-being. And the reason why it's so sneaky in terms of why don't we not why do we not know this is because health doesn't move in terms of like a it's not it's not a microwave. Going a week without exercising or eating healthy, you're not just going to immediately have all these biomarkers on your lab test just go out of whack. You're not just going to all of a sudden gain um, three or four inches on your waistline. You're not going to go from a size 33 to 38, right? These things don't happen like that. It happens so slow. It's like death by a thousand cuts that it's it's subtle until it's not subtle. Just like a crack in a dam doesn't really mean that much when it's just one little crack. But more cracks are to happen. And then one day, the thing just overfloods. And that's the thing with our health is usually... We need a event to happen. We need pain to happen. You know, for myself, my pain came earlier in life through seeing my father, my grandparents, family members around me struggle with their health and seeing not just the physical aspects, but seeing the emotional aspects of everyone around them and what that did to them. So I had that gift early to see and experience. A lot of us are. Um, blocked off from that. I've volunteered in burn units. I've you know done other things in hospitals. So I've been around this my whole life. So I know the fragility of life and how important it is for that. Um, now for individuals, usually we have to experience pain in order to get to that place. Unless you become really hyper aware. Sounds easier said than done, right? Because um, 
there's so many other things that come throughout the day. So you can easily just press this on the back burner. But hyper, if you can become hyper aware and really truly conceptualize this idea in your head that you only can lead as far as your body and health and mind will allow you to lead and as good that you can lead. That's one of the ways that you can avoid having unnecessary pain happen before you change. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I can go into sleep now if you want. But yeah, I, 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 I mean, yes, but that so that mm -hmm. was a great foundational like mm -hmm. this, right? We need to be looking at our capacity to lead through the lens of, mm -hmm. of our health, our mental health, our well-being so that we can actually achieve more mm -hmm. in everything else. So I think with that, yeah, let's let's dive into some of the tactics. And Yeah. So when you're thinking about sleep, um, sleep is literally connected to every single facet of our life from our decision making from our hunger hormones and helping us control our appetite to our hormones and testosterone and estrogen and many other um, and growth hormone and so many other things. And the, the thing with sleep, once again, is that our, our body is amazing in, in that we can sleep deprive ourselves for so long. Um, we could sleep on five hours, six hours, and quote unquote, we feel fine. We're functional throughout the day. We're getting by. But the question is, are we, we're just existing. We're just getting by. We're not necessarily thriving over the long court, over the long run of time. Mm -hmm. We can get by. So that's a difference there. But then if you get to look at imaging, you can see a brain that's getting the optimal amount of sleep and a brain that's not getting the optimal amount of sleep. And what you'll see is the sleep deprived brain, it's going to have. We'll look at two areas. We'll look at our prefrontal cortex, logic, reasoning, good decision-making. Then we can look at our amygdala, very primitive, more impulsive, emotional um, mm -hmm. area. And you're going to see the brain that's sleep-deprived. It's going to have much more activity going on in that amygdala area and less activity going on in that prefrontal cortex. So when we translate this to a real-world perspective, you're going to have a leader and an individual who is acting much more impulsively. He's not acting right. out of a logic and reasoning and good decision making, which, you know, you're, when you're in a leadership position, that's the worst thing you want to do is to be highly emotional because people are looking up to you to make good decisions, to steer the ship, to drive the company, to drive the team. Um, and you know, if you're an investor to drive the, the, the finances as well. And so that's one aspect. I think about relationships. I think this is a driver as well. I can't prove this. I've never seen a research study on this, but I think some relationships would be better simply if both parties were not sleep deprived. They wouldn't be so irritable with each other. And, you know, there's a study that I love with, with sleep where they looked at a sleep deprived group and a group that wasn't sleep deprived. And both lost amount, both lost around the same amount of weight. But the difference was the sleep deprived group didn't lose as much body fat the weight they lost was a little more muscle as well. Whereas mm -hmm. the um, optimal sleep group, they lost body fat and kept more of their lean body mass, which is beneficial because, um, you, you know, as you're losing weight, you want to yeah. have as high as lean body mass as possible. You don't just want to lose weight and muscle. And so um, that's a key distinction there. And then also the testosterone levels from the sleep deprived group was much, much lower compared to the group that was in a more restful state. All right. Well, you just sold me on sleeping more. Um, 
<laughs> no, I mean, even with, with my background. So like I was in the army for, for mm-hmm. a while in the infantry. And so we generally, when we go training, you're going to be sleep deprived. Uh, right. And I just remember every week we'd go out to train and then the weekend was just spent in recovery and just being miserable. And it was like, for mm-hmm. the short term, it's fine. You know, you're up, you're walking around in the woods at night, like no issues. You can do this for days. Uh, but then as soon as it catches up to you, it's like, bam. Mm-hmm. But and, and I would also say, though, you know, I haven't been in that situation, but, um, you know, you're in a very sympathetically driven environment. And so your senses yep. is going to keep you awake. You're operating on a, a lot of adrenaline mm-hmm. in that situation. Right. So that's going to kind of help blunt the effects. Right. But I, I bet if you just if you just sat down and relax a little bit. Oh, yeah, you're out. You're going to start. You're going to. Yeah, you're out. You're going to start to feel it. So it's good to just if that's the case to keep moving. Right. And that's why people sometimes don't feel this because you can blunt the effects with, with uh, caffeine and just chugging down coffee and espresso. You're going to blunt the effects of the sleep deprivation right. because that's what caffeine's effect has on you. But once that wears off, once again, all that adenosine in our brain that's being held up, those gates are going to open up and you're going to start to feel this drowsiness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The army was the first time I have fallen asleep walking. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> you just, snap back to it and you're like whoa we just walked three miles like uh and yeah no realization it's like time you just jump <laughs> forward in time and you're like here we are okay mm-hmm. um yeah so lots of great reasons to sleep um mm-hmm. and I, I feel like most founders know this it's like hey just you need that wake up call just wake up call get fun um mm-hmm. to just do it just pay attention to sleep um in addition to that though we got like movement exercise what uh mm-hmm. yeah what can we talk about here so with um let's start with uh with movement and um i always like to think of this as like a movement creates a healthier brain um mm-hmm. if you think about a lot of the greatest thinkers in the world and some of the best founders in the world like steve jobs you can go to charles dickinson and a lot of composers they had these things called walking meetings and so from a practical standpoint, you're getting exercise in and you're taking care of business. So, so you're getting the best of both worlds. But what you're also doing is you're stimulating a lot of neurons when you're movement and exercising. It's no coincidence that, um, you know, for me, when I'm out on a run, a lot of my best ideas come to me. Yeah. You know, and that's helping with creativity because there's so many different areas of your brain that's firing. Then um, one of those is BDNF, stands for brain derived neurotrophic mm-hmm. factor. You're literally creating new brain cells with yourself. And, you know, movement and exercise is probably the most important piece of the longevity piece. I think it's, to me, it's even more important than nutrition, which sounds kind of crazy. But I'm learning more and more that good movement, good exercise is going to drive these other healthy behaviors. I know with myself, the more I stick to my movement and my exercising, the more adherence I have to my nutrition, to my sleep. One, because I'm tired. I exhausted myself throughout the day. So I have this more of an inclination now to go to sleep. It's a natural drive now to go to sleep. So that's going to help as well. Sometimes founders and have problems with sleeping. And it's usually um, a scheduling problem, a, uh, a behavioral problem in terms of um, too much caffeine too later in the day, uh, 
not enough activity to really exhaust themselves and also not controlling their mind in terms of there's there's a lot of ideas running in their head there's anxiety there's worry there's all these things that they had to get through with their head and exercise helps alleviate all those things i cannot mm-hmm. tell you how many times i've been in a bad mood i've or i've been stressed about something and a couple of sets of deadlifts has just like almost just vanish it outside of my body it's just like this whole demeanor of myself has just come out and it's gone now right after those couple sets just from that and so it's a um from a health perspective i think we know the benefits of movement but i think just as it relates to us as business people and leaders i think it's underestimated and also what you're doing when you're training and when you're doing hard training one of the reasons what running teaches me, yes, it's it's healthy and everything and even like lifting, but this is also building resiliency for me. It's building toughness. I'm building calluses in a, you know, both literally and and in mentally as well. Mm-hmm. To do something hard is going to carry over to other aspects of life. And it's, and I think this is especially important for those of us who are um who didn't that don't don't have any type of military experience, right? Because as a civilian, if you wanted to, you could avoid all hardship if you want. It's pretty easy and life can be very convenient. So you, I'm just being honest, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, 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 nobody makes me run miles, whereas right. you guys had to run miles and everything, right? You had to do physical uh, taxing mm-hmm. movements and exercises and rucking and all those things. I don't have to do that. Most people don't have to do that. But what this does is this is going to help me become resilient by taking care of my sleep. I'm building resiliency because I'm building a healthier immune system. So when things happen, things always will happen. It's not about avoiding things not happening. It's not about avoiding maybe getting a cold or something like that. It's about how quickly am I going to be able to bounce back and get back to my work, get back to my purpose and my mission. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, And so if you wanted to, I can can break down kind of how I go about exercising for people. Actually, that would actually well. be great, especially for for founders who might be on a time crunch, right? They just don't have a lot of yeah. extra time. What, a, what yeah. are some recommendations? I th- yeah, I think every day you have to do something to, you have to do some sort of exercising. I'm not saying you need to run a marathon. I'm not saying you need to have this crazy workout session, but physically taxing yourself every day, I think is a great physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and everything because running a company, running teams is literally I would, it's it's like a jungle you know it's 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 you're putting out a lot of fires and like i said there's a lot of things coming your way and this is one way to kind of help yourself build the capacity to be able to handle those things and so for me i i look at aerobic and anaerobic and the first thing with anaerobics like lifting weights strength training it's very important um one you're building lean body mass and two if you think about this when we get older What's one of the ways that a lot of times older people are taken out, unfortunately? Fall. It's a fall. It's a fall. You lose, we take for granted basic things like stability, balance, going up the steps, yeah, grip strength. getting food for ourselves. Yeah, grip strength. Right. Very basic things because we're, we're young, we're able right now, we're not in our 80s, but eventually it's going to come a time for that, right? And the whole purpose is to perform at a high level even in our 80s and our 90s. So we train right now for how we want to perform decades later so that's my first philosophy so i'm focusing on strength i'm focusing on building as much muscle as possible if there are women listening to this do not worry you're not going to bulk up 
even if guys are listening to this, do not worry. Because um, if muscle was that easy to put on, I would be very happy. But it takes work. <laughs> it takes work. So you're not just going to snap your fingers and put on muscle, especially as you get older, because then you have to fight against biology. Because usually around 30, we start to lose muscle mass. Now, strength training, challenging ourselves with weight, that's going to stop that and help blunt that. But just by default, if we do nothing, we start to waste away. So we have, say, I prefer three to four days for individuals. I'm more on, on that side of things. So three to four days of strength training. Um, if, if you just absolutely hate, hate weights right now, at least give me two days and you can do full body exercise. You can do full body workouts for those two days. Even if you do three days and you don't really like weights that much, just do three full body days. Focus on compound exercises like your squats, your deadlifts, and things that have things that work multiple body parts so you can get more bang for your buck. Now, if you love the gym, then you can start doing more isolation stuff and, and, and those sorts of things. But this is just more bang for your buck. And the second part of this is the aerobic cardiovascular side. I used to overlook this because I was more of a bro and I didn't want it to ruin my gains by running. I thought I was going to lose all my gains and, and stuff by running, which was the furthest thing from the truth. So with aerobic activity, there's a couple of key areas. Number one is zone two training. And even if you don't know your zones right now, think of this as doing aerobic activity to where you can have a pretty comfortable conversation mm -hmm. as you're doing it. So your heart rate's not too high. And, and, and so this is a steady, comfortable pace. So I would say do this at least three times a week, at least. And I forgot the number in my head, so, but um, maybe 100 hours. I mean, wait a minute. No, sorry, not 100 hours. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, not 100. There's not even 100 hours in a week. Um, 100 minutes, 100 to 120 minutes a week is probably a good time if I'm thinking of this correctly. I'm trying to think of a study off the top of my head. But, um, but anyway, we're doing this zone two activity about three times a week. and Zone two, because this is helping us train VO2 max. VO2 max is a very, very important and easy metric that we can all utilize and, and, and work on that's highly correlated with longevity and, um, uh, and an existing health span. I did a whole episode on this where I go into more detail on this particular metric. And if you're curious, I would say aim for a VO2 max of someone a decade younger than your current age right now. So I'm 37. So I, I, I try to have a VO2 max at least of a 25, 27 year old. You can go about that. And then the last piece is to at least have one day a week to where you're doing more high intensity training. This is more of a uh, high zone four, probably it's zone five training, it's high intensity. So you're not, these sets are not going to be long. So you're hitting all the quadrants there. And then um, incorporate a little mobility work throughout the week as well. And so, you know, I gave these suggestions and you can kind of start to add this up in your head and create a calendar for yourself. So every day can be filled doing one of these things. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take no more than 40 minutes, 45 minutes to do these things. And we all have that. Um, even if you work a 10 hour day and you sleep eight hours, that is still, that's 18 hours. So there's still a time frame to get that done and then still have time over to enjoy life or do whatever you need to do. And so that's where it comes back to this, the scheduling and the, the structuring. Right. Uh, 
for those who are just listening on the podcast, uh, you just said you're 37. Mm-hmm. You do look like you're probably 27. So I'll give you credit. You're taking <laughs> care of your health well. So there's more, more reason to listen to you. Uh, I, pre- so, I appreciate that. Yeah. We're trying to work uh, on that. There's a, there's a biological age test. And so biologically, yeah. I'm, I'm around 31, I believe, right now. Uh, I'm 34 and I feel like I'm probably 40. So <laughs> well, you, probably, you probably beat your body up a little bit. Uh, yeah. And I just got back from vacation where the people in the room next to me just like to party all night. And so came back from vacation, more tired. So I'm still catching up on sleep, <laughs> but, uh, which there you go. Evidence sleep is important. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So last area is, uh, just with diet and stuff, but I actually mm-hmm. just want to skip over that for now. Okay. Uh, Cause I got a bunch of other questions I'd love to dive in. Um, uh, and I think there's so many variables we could, we're going to get swept away if we go into, uh, like proper eating and nutrition. Yeah, well, uh, the, the the easy thing with eating, you can just do this in a su- in a summary. Just think about um, you know, sure. Really think about your nutrition. Don't even think about a particular diet. Think about a framework. And for most people, they don't eat enough protein, and this goes back to the whole lean body mass thing. So most people can do well with eating more protein. That's one thing. And didn't really think about your framework. So think about when you're going to eat, how you're going to eat, why you're going to eat, and and how you're doing it mm-hmm. as well. Answering those four quick questions can build you a simple framework before getting bogged down right. into specific types of diets. Yeah, I like that. That's a, a pretty simple way to, uh, to mm-hmm. just approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'd like to talk about is we kind of got into this a bit, but organizing your day for health, mm-hmm. right? Actually, is there are there specific things, triggers throughout the day that we should be looking for for to set ourselves up for success to be more conscious of these things right we talked hyper awareness Mm -hmm. how can we be just looking at our day day, any day on the calendar and setting this up yeah so just like any just like any business appointment that you're going to do or any important meeting you're going to have this on your calendar so what i would suggest for people to do is as you go about scheduling your week organizing your days and, and everything is obviously you're probably going to have important personal family events on there that those are non-negotiable for people. So whatever those are, those are going to be on there. You probably have designated work times that you like to do your calls, mm-hmm. your podcasting, your coaching calls, whatever that may be. So that's going to be filled in. There's still going to be a lot of blank space. And that's where you can put your exercise in. So for most people, it's either I start my day with exercising or I end my day with exercising. For me, uh, with my specific training right now, I am a little different. So I like to start working immediately and then take mm-hmm. a break and, and work out and then do a little work again and then go again. So you do what works for you. But generally for people, starting your day with exercising is going to be better and you're probably going to have a higher adherence, especially if you struggle with it initially. The only worry right. I have with people who schedule at the end of the day is sometimes letting their emotions or their mood dictate if they're going to do it or not that's the only thing i worry about now if you're seasoned at this you'll go regardless but for people where the habit is not that strong it's a little bit of a dangerous proposition for me because one stressful day work gets you got these extra calls these extra things you need to do next thing you know you brush it aside and you just keep working into the night grabbing a food by convenience and you're kind of getting on that slope of falling off those habits. So right. if you're not seasoned, I would say start your day with it. Or if you can, use it use it as a um, – do it in the middle of the day, in between your work day, as like a halftime, mm-hmm. if you have that option as well. Because it's a great way to break up the day. So maybe the first half of your day, 
is creative, focus work, then you exercise. Yeah. And then the next part is you do calls and more admin stuff as well. And then you can kind of end the day with your family personal time. That makes sense. Uh, now, how do you approach like with your clients actually like deliberately goal setting mm -hmm. within their health? Yeah. So um, usually, so the first thing is usually when I talk about a goal, it's not a place that we are um, getting, we're not getting a goal. We're coming from a place of a goal. And what I mean is by that is um, whatever this goal, this vision is, we're going to go ahead and start to act in this, in this, um, in that light right now. So for example, the first yeah. thing I would do is I want to create a vision for themselves and not just like, uh, I, um, I'm losing 10 pounds and, um, I look right at the beach. That's not, there's not enough emotion in that. It's not strong enough. I want them to think about how optimal health feels to them. What is their specific definition of optimal health? What does it feel like? What do you look like? How are you dressing? How are people looking at you? How are you leading? How does your family look up to you? What type of examples are you setting? So it's a very, very vivid picture of what optimal health is. And I want you to think about, say it's 50 years later, what are some of the sports that you like to do right now? Say you like to play tennis. Okay. We're going to be 85 years old. You're going to be playing tennis with your great grandkids, maybe great, great grandkids. Who knows? I want you to visualize this session, how you're playing, how you're swinging, moving. You're really getting in touch with that. So we set this picture of the future. Now we come back to the present and we're backtracking. Okay. To be this athlete, this tennis athlete at 85, how do I need to go about programming and functioning myself right now to be that person at 85? So I think about myself. I, I want to be a pretty much an all-around athlete, do a bunch of different things. So I need to train myself like that type of athlete right now. So when maybe I do slow down by a percent at 50, 60, I'm still going to be a top performer at that age. And I'm going to be able to handle those demands when that time comes. So that's the, that's the, the very first thing is to really get clear on that picture there. And, you know, so then once we have that, it's usually one or two ways. And it's usually, I, I usually just pick about two to three habits to start to dive into two to three big core actions that we can do now to start um, working up toward that thing. And a lot of, a lot of times the data depends on that. So after a lot of testing, that's going to depend on it. But really, um, probably for the first month or so, it's really a lot of, dare I say, we rewiring their mind and uh, just taking inventory of their life and really helping them audit themselves and start right. to seamlessly organize um, health into their life. Because a lot of times... Um, there's friction that we cause, right? We have our personal life on what we have our, um, our business professional life on one hand, did we have health on this other hand? And a lot of times we immediately jump into tactics and strategies mm -hmm. and we think short-term with those. We don't think long-term and the congruence and the synergy that those things have. So we slow down a lot at the beginning and then we slowly ramp up and go faster once we are, we found our groove and we have a lot of the foundation stuff laid out. Yeah. I like that approach. Um, so 
Last question before we get into our, our final three. A lot of a lot of leaders, right, should be leading from the front as far as taking care of themselves, mm-hmm. having great fitness and everything. Um, we have the ability with certain companies coming in now to set up different corporate wellness programs. Is there anything specific that you would be looking for within these programs that you would recommend to uh leaders check out yeah the big obvious oh man so many things here because i've done i've done a few corporate wellness (laughs) gigs and so the very first one the obvious one is the actual leaders need to be involved i need to see them participating cannot tell you how many wellness lunch and learns or corporate events that i've spoken at and they're nowhere to be found and so what kind of example is that showing that this quote-unquote important event about health is wealth and all these good things right and they're not there they're probably in the office probably not eating something good or they're just and so you're not sending a good message already to you to the people there so that's the easiest one the second one is really get everyone involved a lot of times you need to see where people are what really interests them so you can do a simple, I guess you can call it a poll or just a questionnaire, whatever you want to call it, just to see where everyone's coming from. Maybe some people are struggling with wellness in terms of more of a mental side of things. Maybe some is nutrition, maybe some is exercise. But what you're doing is you're, you're gathering up data once again to create a more precise approach because the attrition rate, the actual longevity of a lot of these programs are not that good. The participants the participation rates are not that good. And it's because there's not input from the actual people. It's people from the top that are just telling you what to do, just pointing to it, but they're not really sure it's even a a good fit. And I mean, I don't talk about this subject, but also, uh, but um, with wellness now and the word well-being, you have to include things like the financial wellness and other aspects of wellness for a, a whole thing more of a holistic type of program now. So that's something that's missing out. And I think another thing that people can do now is to utilize technology. Most people have wearables now and you can set up, you can set up a group, you can set up different teams to go against each other, to make it competitive, to make it gamify. You can set incentives Mm -hmm. for, um, you lose X percentage of weight. I don't actually, I don't know if that's legal. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't know if that's legal or if people sure. might get offended by that, right? But say, Doctor HR, yeah, before you, doing you it. Gotta, I think you have to word that a certain way because I think people say that's discrimination. So that one may not be a good idea. But so you probably can go wait. But you, what you could do though, you could do activity. You could do activity and so many steps, right? So many workouts mm-hmm. each week, you get X and X, right? Or this, this happens. Some type of incentive, or you get. Um, you get eight, you get seven, seven and a half hours of opportunity to sleep. Doesn't mean you ha- doesn't mean that you're asleep for those seven and a half, but it, you at least gave yourself the opportunity to sleep seven and a half hours, right? So stuff that's very process oriented that gets people in the habit. I think that's a focus as well. And then also having someone come in and talk for an hour, hour and a half, that's great, but you need a follow up. You need a plan for that. Mm-hmm. So, and I think. Um, that's a thing as well to have the actual support for people as well. So maybe that's, maybe that's, um, like a podcast series for individuals. If you really cared about it, you can do a company podcast or, and you can have success stories, you can have updates. And so not only are you 
showing that you're hip and, and, and in tune with the times with podcasting and that kind of thing. But you're also building company culture and camaraderie by humanizing people. It's not just someone that you work with, but you're learning about them. You're learning about some of their struggles and they're sharing some of their wins. They can be an inspiration for everyone. So I see it on, uh, on a many fronts on what people can do with that. But, you know, as we always say, it starts with leadership and it starts with um, thinking outside the box and, and, and being creative and trying new things. Well, Julian, you have a wealth of knowledge, uh, health, wellness, fitness, everything. Uh, and we're we're going to dive deeper on a future episode, assuming you're. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, right now, what is uh, what is one book that you would recommend everyone? Oh, read? So there's a lot of leaders on this podcast. And so you're probably working with so many different types of people. There's a you know, I love Patrick Lincioni's books. Um, yep. but the one that was very beneficial to me and I'm reading it again is, uh, getting naked. And I, I love that book just because it's, um, a lot of times we will work with clients who may be a little more wealthier than us, who, um, maybe we deem them a little smarter than us, or they're more on the hierarchy in terms of, uh, the chain. And we may feel intimidated by it or, or feel like a fraud or an imposter by it. I know I did at times. Mm -hmm. And that book really puts things in, into perspective about what um, what vulnerability means, what leadership means in terms of working with these people and um, what it really entails about building client loyalty and, and really being a good consultant, coach or advisor, whichever one you call yourself. So I, I love that book. I love all these books, actually, but I love that one in particular. Awesome. All right. What is next for you professionally? Oh man, that's a difficult question. There's, there's so yeah. many different fires. Um, I think a, a simple one for me is um, there's a lot of different AI tests in, mm. in, in, in health that are coming out. And I, I'm looking forward to integrating some of those into the, um, the practice and, and, and using it on people just to yeah. get even more, more precise with, um, with how we go about things. Awesome. Yeah, that, that'll be fun. Um, finally, where can people find you? Well, you're listening to this awesome podcast or you're watching it on YouTube. Um, go ahead and subscribe over. Well, after you leave a review for this one, go ahead and head over to, um, executive health and life. And, um, that, that will be my podcast. It's the podcast where it's a mixture of health, business, longevity, and performance all intertwined. And, um, and then uh, you can go to executivehealth.io for more information as well. Awesome. Thank you for joining me. It's been awesome. As well, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it. <laughs>